words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. If you've been to probably really any, any church the last about five weeks um, or tuned in online, you might have noticed that we've been having the same conversation over and over again. Um, seems like a lot of people are having the same conversation and it's a little bit exhausting and I'm just going to name it. We've been talking about bread for five consecutive weeks. Um, and we got actually, if, if you're paying attention to the lecture, we got one more week of bread. So um, whoever's preaching next week can figure out what to do, but I am not really going to talk about bread today. Um, When I was in kindergarten, my parents um, enrolled me in a little Episcopal school in Memphis. Um, and, and so, you know, doing, you know, wanting to get to know the students, we had a, a birthday party in the backyard for um, my first birthday in kindergarten um, at that school and invited the whole class. And uh, my parents got a pinata and some cake, and I got presents from my classmates, and it was wonderful. And then, like watching, because we, when you're in kindergarten or first grade, you know, a parent has to go to pretty much every birthday party. So they kind of watched the escalation of birthday parties. And my dad, being the frugal person that he was, was like, this is ludicrous. And he devised this wonderful plan. So he thought, so about a month before next birthday in first grade, he's like, John, you can have one of these parties like all the other kids you can have your very own $100 bill. It's like, $100, yes. I had no, no concept of what birthday parties cost at that point in my life. He thought he had, had won this great thing, but then by fourth grade, I was like, this is, you know, I'm watching all my friends rack up on the gifts. I'm like, I gotta have a party. So I talked to my parents into having a party at the Eastland Skating Center. And I can still remember the, you know, like a lot of these places, they have the couple rooms over where you can have the cake and the presents. And I remember sitting there in that room as my friends were coming in from class and they were bringing gifts. And my friend Will White brought this, this square gift and he handed it to me and he looks me in the eye and he goes, I'm sorry, my mom made me do it. So I'm... You know, opening presents later, and I'm, I'm sure I've, I don't remember any of the gifts except for his. I'm sure they were like Legos, and I, I think they were big at this time. I might have been a little too old, but I know I had a bunch of those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures. <laughs> Could have been one of those. And then I opened Will's gift. A hardbound, big color picture Bible. And like, come on, dude. <laughs> I put it away. Fast forward um, many years, and I am, I finished college, and I'm working as a youth minister at uh, one of the local churches, and lo and behold, the Bible has become a little bit more important in my life. And uh, I'm able to... I get my, my first house, and my parents do what 
Many do, and they're like, all right, you got your own place to live. It's time to get rid of your junk. So I have to come over, and they're boxing up all the things from my old room. And I have this moment when I'm, I come across that Bible for the first time since fourth grade. And I sit down, and I open it up. And I kind of get lost in it, the pictures and the stories, and realizing just how important this gift was that I received in fourth grade that I did not have the capacity to understand. Now, I say that. For those of y'all that are responsible for buying presents for your children's parties, I'm not telling you to go buy Bibles. <laughs> Kids, you'll thank me later. Um, but it hit me that I just wasn't ready to receive that gift. And as I poured through the stories and seeing just you know, how much my life was turning into helping these stories come to life and, and how important they were becoming to me, I wasn't ready at that time to receive that gift. I thought of that story as I read the collect for today. Grant me the grace to receive, thankfully, the fruits of God's redeeming work. That just really hit me this, this week. Grant me the grace to receive, thankfully, the fruits of God's redeeming work. Because as someone who does a lot of writing for a living, you don't put the word thankfully in there unless you need to. Unless it's possible that those gifts that we receive from God, the gifts of God's redeeming work, are challenging to receive. Or we may not be in the best position all the time to receive those gifts. to receive, thankfully, the gifts of God's redeeming work. I think of that a, a lot lately, that the reason that we gather here, I think the reason that many of us come to church is to make sense of our lives, to make sense of how our lives are more than just the lives that we live, but what God is up to in the midst of our lives or in community. Um, we gather to say that, that something special and sacred is taking place. But I think there's a temptation sometimes to also think that God's going to make life easier. That if we just kind of show up to church and believe this stuff, that it's going to be easy. then look at the life that we are invited into. I mean, part of the, the, the big challenge that I think we're facing is, is, is people right now is learning how to balance like that, that individual spirit and to do things that we don't want to do for the well-being of other people. Like that's like, like following Jesus, that work of healing and, and love and it calls us into an ethic that doesn't necessarily have our best interest 
at least not from the way that the world wants us to, to believe. It doesn't always, it doesn't put us first. And so part of finding life, an abundant life, is through caring for each other. It's through modeling love and compassion. It's, it's about doing things sometimes that we don't want to do. part of the challenge right now is not like we're having to kind of measure how we're in relationship with each other, not wanting to put people at risk, and it's raising all sorts of dilemmas and forcing us to make decisions that we don't like making. And so when I hear those words, to give us grace to thankfully receive, it's because we need it. It's because we need that grace. Learning how to care for each other, especially in such a polarizing and challenging time, is going to challenge our own assumptions about what is right for us by learning how to care for other people. And it's bothering me about what I'm being asked to do. So this morning I find those words comforting to know that I need grace too to thankfully receive the fruits of God's redeeming work. Now I mentioned that I wasn't going to talk about bread, but we hear it over and over because really what we do as Christians, and we've had to forego this for some time, that gift of Eucharist, is to be nourished, to be given strength. And so today, um, trying to, to, to model safety, we're going to bring communion to you. We'll bring it out to the pews. Um, if you're streaming online, we have Eucharistic visitors that have been trained and would love to bring you communion if you feel that it's comfortable and would love to, to come and bring you the bread and wine in your homes or at Kirkwood. Um, but it's about being nourished and fed and strengthened so that we can receive those gifts of God's redeeming work. If you're feeling challenged about how to care for others right now, you're probably not alone. It's not easy stuff. maybe there's some wisdom in asking for grace to thankfully receive God's love and vision and mission for his redeeming work. May we be nourished so that we can receive that gift. Amen. Mm-hmm.